listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Eggleseth. It's Epiphany. Yes, it is. Well, still for, for most for, of us. Well, some of us. which lectionary This is true. <laughs> depends on which lectionary you're in and uh, where you are, too. Um, so we're going to take a look at Epiphany hymns because it dawned on us the other day. We have not looked at Epiphany hymns yet this season, and the right. season is nearly gone. And these are great hymns. <laughs> Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin, for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today, the Reverend Sean Dedzer. He's Director of Worship and Chaplain for us here at the LCMS International Center. Thanks so much for joining us today. Glad to be here, guys. So Epiphany hymns... Uh, Epiphany. How would you sum up the season of Epiphany before we dig into the hymns? <laughs> season of Epiphany uh, really depends on your lectionary. There's quite mm-hmm. a big change uh, in the three-year compared to the one-year. But uh, the word Epiphany means a manifestation. Uh, it's the fact uh, that we've just come off the incarnation of our Lord, the celebration of Christmas. Now we're talking about the fact that God has manifested himself in the Son of God. So we're definitely going to be thinking about Christ as uh, both ma- human and divine. Uh, so we're going to look at his uh, the, the fact that he's showing by his miracles, uh, by his presence among the people, that God has come to visit his people. Uh, so that's the manifestation. But quickly, the manifestation is here, not just that it might not be great news that God has come to visit, uh, but we see that it is in Christ because he's He's having compassion, he's healing people, and especially we begin to see, especially as we look at the Old Testament passages that foretell his coming, that he is coming to the Gentiles. It's not just for the people of Israel, but it, but it's also for those on the coastlands. And uh, we kick it off with Epiphany, the feast, which is the visit to the Magi. Um, and I think it's summed up well in the feast that always falls right in the middle of Epiphany, the purification of Mary and presentation of our Lord, where mm-hmm. Simeon gets to sing in the Nunc Dimittis. Uh, the light to reveal you to the nations and the glory of your people Israel. That's Epiphany in a nutshell. I love it. And all of that is typically in a lot of the Epiphany hymns that we have, including the first one that we're going to start with, Lutheran Service Book 402, The Only Son from Heaven, which is one of my probably top two favorite Epiphany hymns. (laughs) Me too. It's really good. It's so Uh, good. (laughs) Epiphany's weird. I think these hymns sometimes are in people's memories, uh, in the memories of congregations, Mm -hmm. but sometimes they just slip out or or they never took the time to learn them. There's a few that have new tunes in our hymnal, uh, even though the the texts might be really old. Uh, And so people might just not have learned them, uh, which is too bad. Also, Epiphany is one of those seasons that gets smushed mm-hmm. or spread out depending on when Easter falls. This year we got a little longer. We got to get to Epiphany 4 in the one year. That like never happens. <laughs> there's there's five potentially, uh, but you rarely get that fifth one. So it was nice. Uh, and that gives us more chance to sing these great hymns. 402, The Only Son from Heaven. This is a hymn that I always like to see sung at other times of the year. Mm-hmm. For any text that really is emphasizing emphasizing the two natures in Christ. So in the creed, we talk about uh, that he's both true man and true God, born of the Virgin Mary, and uh, uh, 
conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, And that is at work here, to talk about that God's Son has come in human form, uh, that uh, uh, he is the King, he is the Christ, uh, he has come to vanquish death for us. Uh, and, and what does that mean then for our life? The hymn we have is a little truncated from its original form, uh, which is sad always when we have to leave some stanzas out. The thing that's maybe most disappointing about this hymn, and, and notice it's still among our top favorites, so it's not very disappointing, but stanza three has just been weakened slightly in our English translation. It's fine. Our hearts awaken, Lord, to know and love you more. Fantastic. Uh, give us faith that would stand unshaken and to adore you as we move through this world, uh, that we would have our eyes fixed on the heavenly things, the things above. Originally, though, it had such a clear confession of the law and the gospel. Here from Elizabeth Krusiger, uh, this early um, uh, a contemporary of Luther, mm-hmm. uh, but a female hymn writer. And, and it says, if I could do an English translation, would be, Lord, kill us with your goodness and raise us by your grace. And this is out of Isaiah, right, that the Lord kills and makes alive. Uh, Luther's insight that the law of God, right, uh, accuses us. It it brings and mortifies our flesh. It mortifies our old Adam, uh, puts us to death, but then raises us as a totally new man in Christ Jesus. And that's exactly what Elizabeth was trying to, to bring forth in this, that, that just as uh, Christ has come in our flesh, so uh, he puts to death the sin, the sin in our flesh and raises us to new life life even now. Sarah, you did a lot of research on her, didn't I you? I did. <laughs> Sarah, you did a Lutheran Ladies' Lounge yes, podcast episode I on Yes, I did a Lutheran Ladies' Lounge podcast on her. That was our one of our Reformation episodes, I think, last year. Elizabeth Krusiger is the first Lutheran female hymn writer, uh, a huge part of the, the Reformation. She was involved in a lot of, um, a lot of, she was she well, she was married to one of the Reformation guys, so she was in all of those circles and was, you know, friends with Bugenhagen and Reformation Luther. guys. That's yeah. what they're qualified as. <laughs> yeah, so she was. I mean, she was in in, in the midst of all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was influenced by by the all of those really well known uh, Reformation people. To and and it shows in uh, in her theology. So, Pastor, anything else about the text on this hymn before we? Talk about the, joining it with the with the tune. Sure. Let me just. Uh, well, yeah. Let me just talk about this last stanza, which I think is a fantastic translation. And uh, this is one of those where uh, it doesn't really matter what the German was. The English is really good. It is possible, in fact, to translate a hymn better than it was originally. Sometimes <laughs> this might be it, right? So you get in the last stanza. I mean, hopefully we're all standing because it's it's a doxological stanza. But it says, "Before you mortals lowly cry, holy, holy, holy," and it's. Uh, I mean, it's the habit of some of us to bow our heads already when we sing the Sanctus. Uh, that's kind of traditional in the divine service. Uh, and for me, I just feel like my head can't help but do it. The, the melody goes down there. Cry, holy, holy, holy. It's It's got that uh, Renaissance uh, uh, rhythm to it, uh, but it, it broadens out at that moment. Uh, and, uh, I mean, you get really excited, I think. And, and you can hear just what we hear every Sunday in the liturgy, that with angels, Angels and archangels, even we mortals lowly, uh, get to join in with all the company of heaven to praise this God. But notice, we're not talking about just 
God far away in heaven or, or in visions from Isaiah. We're talking about this man, Jesus Christ, who is present with us, right? Which is exactly the point the Sanctus makes when we're singing holy, holy, holy to the high God here as he has come in, in bread and wine to, to feed us with his own body and his forgiveness. Awesome. Anything about the tune, or shall we move on? It's lively. It's lively. And it's meant to be fast. Uh, The organist has to pay attention to the starting tempo uh, because in that third one, we have da 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 da. That's what you should think in your mind. Uh, But you don't want to end each phrase with a big, long breath because you'll lose the rhythm so uh so you really want to just keep it moving the only son from heaven foretold by ancient seers by god the father given I mean, and children really get so when too. do you breathe then you know, quick quick okay you, i mean you gotta be you gotta be excited about okay. it so that you take those breaths and uh, keep going you get a you get a rest before the third phrase it's great okay get a whole chord note there Thanks. go out for a hamburger it's a it's very fun. Like you, you, you have to dance when you sing it. It's mm. great. All right, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Which one do you want to talk about next? Let's look at uh, three ninety nine in Lutheran service book. The, the the star proclaims the king is here. Uh, uh, so this is an old Latin hymn. This is from uh, uh, Chalus Sedulius, fifth century. Uh, really, after Saint Ambrose, he's one of the first um, writers of this kind of metrical hymnody. Uh, so, so not strictly the words of the scriptures, mm. but uh, poetic, uh, rhyming. Uh, be a little different in Latin. Uh, hymns uh, to, to meters. And what's great about this one is uh, if you're in the one-year lectionary especially, and you get this sometimes in the three-year lectionary as well, it tells you what to look forward to in Epiphany. It has the first three readings that you're going to hear in the Epiphany season, which which at his time were almost all combined into the the single day and the single week in this whole season of Epiphany, in the in the development of the lectionary, really Epiphany predates Christmas, if you can believe that. Mm. Uh, it just had become this great feast, uh, this confluence of of all of these biblical events that proclaim the manifestation of God in the flesh in Jesus Christ. Uh, So you have, yeah, the star proclaims the king is here. Why are you so afraid, Herod? Uh, I love that. Uh, uh, And uh, But also here comes the wise men, right? Uh, They're following the star, uh, which point us to God in the flesh. Uh, We hear about uh, the baptism of Jesus, where the whole Trinity is testifying to this Son of God. And we have his first miracle at Cana. So there you go. You've got uh, you got Easter, or excuse me, Epiphany. You've got uh, the Sunday. Uh, you got baptism. Sometimes the Sunday after Epiphany, or, or the eight days later. And then you've got uh, the first Sunday after that, wedding at Cana. Amen. Anything about the tune on this one? Uh, the tune we have is doesn't really fit to it originally. Um, uh, it was sung to various Latin tunes. Uh, this one's very easy, though. And it kind of makes up for the fact that it didn't mention Jesus at 12 years old, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the uh, the kind of the old uh, first Sunday after Epiphany that's now been overshadowed by the baptism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that makes sense to me, too. But uh, some of us miss it. It's the only story we have of childhood Jesus, and, and our minds love to wander about, well, what was it like to be uh, Mary, the mom of God? God, uh, uh, you know, when he's a teenager or something. Uh, well, uh, so so this is to the tune of uh, uh, "Oh, bless the house, whatever befall, uh, mm. where Jesus Christ is all in all." This mm-hmm. uh, 
life of the home hymn. Uh, so it kind of, in a way, gives a nod to the one epiphany story that uh, Sedulius didn't actually include in it. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. When we come back from that break, we're going to look at couple of hymns. We're a crash course on these hymns. I don't oh, know yeah. how we're going to fit them all in. We're going to do it, though. We'll do our best. <laughs> we're talking with Chaplain Sean Denzer, Director of Worship and Chaplain for the LCMS International Center in St. Louis. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are talking Epiphany Hymns with Chaplain Sean Denzer, Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And what are you ready to move on to now, Chaplain? Let's look at LSB 396, Arise and Shine in Splendor. Mm. This one comes out of the Old Testament reading from Isaiah 60, which I believe is the reading for Epiphany, the day itself. Uh, but it does kind of set the tone for for especially this the, the arrival of Christ drawing all people to himself, as he says on his cross, uh, to draw all people, especially the Gentiles. This hymn is in the Epiphany section. I'm sure it belongs there, but it could just as easily fit in the mission and uh, uh, outreach witness section, too, because uh, it, it has that focus. Uh, it has uh, the light shining in the dark places to enlighten those people. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Martin Opitz himself was uh, kind of a middling figure or an ironic figure, however you'd like to say it. Uh, he lived in the time of the Thirty Years' War, where you have Catholics and Protestants literally killing each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think you could see the natural reaction to that would be kind of to say, let's all get along. And he was definitely that figure caught in the middle, uh, serving both sides, uh, trying to be peaceful with both. Um, what I think is very interesting is this hymn, I don't think would be seen that way with, say, the church and the world. Um, it dares to say that uh, we want to shine the light of the dark, uh, the light of Christ and the gospel into the dark places. That is the place where the heathen nations are dying without Christ. Um, we've seen how the traditional prayer uh, for the Jewish people that they would recognize the glory, as Simeon said, uh, 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 their proper glory in Christ Jesus. That prayer has become unpopular uh, in the last hundred years, and I think this hymn might be unpopular with a lot of people too. As a result, we keep singing it, and I think we should. Uh, uh, because it, it it it's acknowledging not that there's a bunch of really dumb people out there who aren't as smart as us um, Americans certainly not Americans but not even us as Christians or Lutherans it's to acknowledge what the Jews struggled themselves to believe right that the it's what Peter says so perfectly in Acts 15 in his great moment right where he gets to say 
we realize now that the Gentiles are going to be saved by faith in Jesus Christ, the very same way that we are, right? We've never been able to complete the law or something and to save ourselves in that way. No way. We need the light of Christ to dawn on us, and it has now. Therefore, we're delighted then to to shine this light into all the other places so it may enlighten them, Uh, not because we've done something at all better than they have, but because we've received it, and, and they also are going to receive it. So the light shines in our darkness and overcomes our sin and death and brings us into forgiveness of sins in Christ Jesus and love for our neighbor and all of this. That's the very same thing that that shines also uh, to the rest of the world. This one is the other of my top two <laughs> favorite epiphany hymns. So. It's got a great tune. This is one of the oh, few does. tunes that actually comes from another, pl- like outside the church and then comes in. Now, in the 16th century, in the 15th century, that's a little bit different than our world maybe. Uh, but Heinrich Isaac originally wrote this melody uh, as Innsbruck, I Hate to Leave You, talking about his old town, probably an old, <laughs> old, old girl there that he didn't want to leave yep, behind. I think so. And uh, uh, so it's interesting that it actually then gets used for this hymn. Uh, and at this point, only the musicologists know the other one. Uh, everybody else knows this Lutheran hymn. So There you go. Yeah. Uh, anything else on the on the text that you want to talk about? Um, I don't know. I, I really like verse 5 talking about uh, when from the realms of sadness uh, these people come from near and far and they wake uh, to see the the morning star, I don't know the 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 imagery in this one. I think is what really draws me in. Yeah, and this comes straight out of the Isaiah passage that yeah. um, Israel of all people is going to be the nations are going to come to you. Uh, the prophet says. And you look at Israel's history and you say, why in the world do they want to do that, right? Not for their own sake, but for the sake of the Lord they worship, right? Think of Solomon and and all these people coming to hear the wisdom. But the wisdom Solomon has to give is not just that he's a smart guy. It's the wisdom that comes from the Lord. It's the it's the message of the gospel, right? Uh, and, and that's what the church has to be. We could do a lot of great things for the world, and, and we often do. But the most important thing we have to offer to anybody is Jesus Christ and the gospel, the forgiveness of sins. And uh, if anybody's impressed with the church, oh, Lord, let it be for that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. What's up next? We're at five minutes. All right. I think we have time just to look real briefly at uh, a hymn with a new tune to us. Ooh, uh, I like this, this is four oh three. All right. Oh, savior of our fallen race. If you look at the bottom, you see we don't actually really know when it was written. Sometime between the fifth <laughs> and the tenth centuries. <laughs> that's a give or take a day. A large span of time. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, a beautiful hymn, a, a great text. And now it has this new tune by Stephen Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, it um, it's a very interesting tune. It, it has uh, the taste of a Gregorian chant-like melody, uh, but it has a lot more pauses. Uh, it ends on a strange note. Uh, it kind of feels like we're not finished yet, mm-hmm. and that propels you then into the next stanza each time. Uh, but but it's it's fantastic for us as Lutherans to see something written in here that we were accused at the time of the Reformation for being the ones to talk about the free forgiveness of sins uh, and the gospel and that this was some new teaching. Not at all. Uh, Listen to this stanza where it says, um, Today, just as year by year, the sun's light bathes all the world in radiance bright, one precious truth outshines the sun. Salvation comes from you alone. 
I mean, that's the gospel of salvation by grace through faith in Christ Jesus, right? So so as you see here the themes of light, again, just like uh, a rise and shine in splendor, being uh, flowing throughout Epiphany, that Christ is the light who enlightens the world. Uh, but, but that's not just a metaphor. Uh, what is the enlightenment that comes to the mind, to the heart, to the joy, as well as to the, to the precious comfort? It's the salvation in the forgiveness of sins in Jesus. We got to sing this recently, too. We just yeah. sang it this morning, in yeah. fact. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, on the day that we're recording this. <laughs> well, I'm fine. <laughs> yes, on the day that we're recording it. Um, so anything else on this text that you want to dig into or about the tune? The tune is beautiful, and it takes maybe a little bit longer to learn than some of them, but I think it's worth it. Uh, uh, it, it is one of these hymns that... Uh, Every once in a while you think maybe we shouldn't sing it, for instance, on a Wednesday at chapel because it it talks about today, and I think it's definitely thinking of Epiphany Day, or it says even in Santa 6, on this, the birthday of our king. This is Christmas, right? Uh, I thought we were in Epiphany. Um, uh, so, okay, we just have to live with that. But um, it does help us to see, you know, even back in the 5th to 10th centuries, Epiphany is it really is kind of Christmas still going on, right? There's so much in the fact that God has been, God is a man. That's our confession as, mm-hmm. as Lutherans, as Christians. God is a man. You're going to want to explain that a little more to me. <laughs> and uh, and so Epiphany is a season that says, all right, let's, let's take some time to ponder this amazing thing right before we go into, I mean, these are the two great questions we find in the catechism, right? Who is the person of Jesus Christ? Who is he? And what has he done, right? Or, or Anselm asked these questions too, right? Why was it necessary for our God to become a man? Why was it necessary for our Savior to be God? Uh, and so this is what the church here does too, right? We're going to expound on the mystery of the incarnation in Epiphany right after Christmas. And then we're going to go into Lent and we're going to think about what our Lord has done uh, as a man for us to, to save us. And I think perhaps we get hung up on calendars and dates maybe a little bit more than our brothers and sisters who've gone before us, especially during like the, what, the, of that whole medieval period. The whole time. Just <laughs> yeah. a couple of years. We yeah. get hung up on dates and times. I think they viewed time a little bit differently, probably. Yeah. I, I, I think they lived in the scriptures so richly all the time that maybe we've sadly gotten distracted by other things. So we have to notice the big days that jar us out of normal routines to say, oh, yeah, we should think about Jesus today. Uh, <laughs> they, oh. God grant that we'd have to think about it a little more, maybe. Uh, any others you want to look at? Yeah, let's let's uh, end today, I think, with the, with the queen, uh, yes. the queen of them all. Uh, the, uh, 395 in LSB, oh, morning star, how fair and bright. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a good one. This is one uh, by Philip Nikolai. Uh, he wrote these two hymns at the end of his little, oh, what's the title of it? It just got translated into English, and everybody should go to CPH and buy a copy. This Joy of Eternal Life, I think it's called. Uh, Nikolai's great devotional work, and at the end of it, he tags on these two great hymns. Wake, awake, for night is flying. The end of the church year, we use it now. Mm-hmm. And uh, Oh, Morning Star, are Fair and Bright. Um, this one, I think, you know, isn't so zeroed in on the end of the world, on the, the virgins. Uh, it's great for marriages, and it's great for the end of the world. This one, though, is about Christ. So how could you go wrong? Uh, this is, I think, what I love so much about Epiphany is that it's 
it's all about Jesus. It really is. And all the hymns then are so focused on Jesus Christ, talking about him, not talking about us, not talking about all the other things we get distracted with, but letting Jesus be all in all. Um, in the first stanza you have, right, of Jacob race, King David's son, our Lord and master. There it is, right? God and man. Uh, but he's won us over to serve him. Uh, he's, uh, it's rejoicing in our king come to earth, our bridegroom. So you can see how Nikolai is already thinking about Christ as the bridegroom, even now in Epiphany. Uh, but what I love about this hymn is it's, it's, it's talking about how Jesus Christ is is manifest in us also. Mm-hmm. So it talks about uh, that he's going to graft us together as one body, that we're going to be branches grafted into his vine, into a living tree, that he's going to supply our life in the midst of all sorts of troubles, perplexities, distress, and he's going to give us heavenly joy. That's the title of that book, right? Uh, that will bless us despite that. Uh, uh, when, when he look looks on us in love, uh, when his word and spirit, that's that's always how the word comes with the spirit of God, when his flesh and blood, I can't help but think of the Lord's Supper, refresh our souls with heavenly nourishment, he's our treasure through all life. Uh, it has this great stanza of four, right? You loved us when not yet begun was this old earth's foundation. Uh, not as opposed to young earth, by the way, just... <laughs> All the way back at the beginning of history, the Lord already had us on mind. How could that be, right? Well, well, uh, before, right, uh, even before the foundation of the world, uh, Christ is the atoning sacrifice. He's ransomed us in love uh, to live with Him now and in eternity. Uh, it's great for Epiphany because we got an Alleluia in here too. Yes. Um, stanza five. Let the harps break forth with sound. Uh, Christ goes with us all the way, today, tomorrow, every day. His love is never-ending. An interesting paraphrase of, right, Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, stanza six, though, I think is is incredible. Uh, I love this one for birthdays, by the way. Mm. Uh, you always write this in my cards. Uh, actually, I write five, too. Uh, <laughs> What joy to know when life is past. The Lord we love is the beginning and the end, the first and last. Uh, One day, oh, glorious grace, he's going to transport us to that happy place. That doesn't come across in English as great as it could be, right? But it's we're talking about the happy place beyond all tears and sinning. There's revelation peeking in, right? Mm -hmm. The resurrection. And I can't help but think of the end of this one Bach cantata where he sets just the last (laughs) part. Amen, amen. Come, Lord Jesus, crown of gladness, we are yearning for the day of your return. So, Christ's manifestation in the flesh here uh, is manifest in our faith, in our life, in our joy, uh, and makes us all the more eager to have him face to face, right? We've been hearing about his great shining and his great presence among magi, among uh, all these different people in every trouble, and and healing them, comforting them, enlightening uh, foolish people like you and me. we can't wait to have this face-to-face. Well, we will at the last day when he raises us to be with him forever. One thing I noticed about this hymn, uh, you know, looking at just, I know we have, we're like out of time, but <laughs> but looking at, uh, just like looking at punctuation, I had this like thing where I was looking at punctuation in these hymns too. And this is one of those hymns, I, what it stands of five, 
every single ending punctuation mark is an exclamation point. Like, how can you not sing this and just be like overjoyed? How'd that get through the editing department? I know, oh. right? All of all of these. This hymn is just so full of exclamation marks. It's it's just so full of joy that you had to you kind of put one on every line. It's it's great. It makes me smile. <laughs> the exclamation marks mean you have to jump up and down? No? Yeah. So I sing mean, you it, can. Sing it more. <laughs> Pastors, uh, church musicians, look for more places to stick this in. You know it's a good one. You know Amen. it's one that applies all year round. So find places for it. Transfiguration. Uh, sing it uh, for birthdays. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> the Reverend Sean Denzer, Director of Worship and Chaplain for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod International Center. Thanks so much for all these great epiphany hymns. My joy. <laughs> You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere.